And we are back. You're listening to This American Podcast Comedy Edition on ComedySchoolsRadio.com. And we have in studio, uh, we were trying to figure out <laughs> how to pronounce your first name. Say it for us. Zainab Johnson. Zainab. Yes. Zainab, because I was saying Zaneb. Yeah. Which I think sounds I pretty good. Mm-hmm. Zaneb, but it's Zainab. It's Zainab. Zainab Johnson. the I is there. I think people got to look at the I like it's a Y. Oh. Zay. Okay. Yeah. All right. And you are, uh, and we're glad you're here. We're, we're very pleased uh, that you're here. And uh, you are at our good friend who happens to be in the room, uh, Rick Bronson's House of Comedy, uh, houseofcomedy.net. You are there tonight for two shows. Yes. Saturday for two shows and Sunday for are you staying for the Sunday show? I am definitely because there's some guys that get like some comics they get highfalutin they go they they think that they're Sammy Davis Jr. far too early like I'm not I'm not doing the second show man and they won't do the Sunday show but we always know the truly funny people who love doing stand up because they're staying for the Sunday show. Oh yeah, I'm staying. I'm I'm staying as long as they allow me to stay. Yeah, yeah. they might just keep you as the permanent house comic. Well, it's possible. My, my <laughs> wife loves her, so it's yeah. possible. <laughs> is this your first time in uh, in uh, the greater Phoenix area? It's not. I, I came here uh, once before just for less than 24 hours. Um, you were on like a layover? No, I was here performing, actually. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So you came in and did, did like a... A, a one-night thing. A one-night a one night stand? Mm-hmm. A one-night program? Yeah. All right. And you're originally from New York? New York, yes. What part of New York? I was born in Brooklyn. I grew up in Harlem. Okay, all right. Brooklyn has changed, like, tons. New York has changed. New York has changed. Brooklyn is safe again. It is, yeah. It's families and and high-income medians. (laughs) When I used to, uh, I used to hang out there. I used to, um, I would live in Times Square. I was a touring comic, and I'd go there, and I'd stay for a month. But Times Square was, like, seedy, terrible, horrible. Brooklyn was, like, um, well, I had friends who lived in Bay Ridge. Yeah. So uh, it was either mafia or murder in Brooklyn, Mm -hmm. you know. And uh, then uh, somewhere in the early 2000s, I took my daughter there for, like, her her Broadway New York vacation. I wanted to see a play on Broadway. And they had already changed Times Square so much that it was like Disneyland. So, I mean, you've experienced both New Yorks. You've you've experienced, like, dangerous New York and now, like, tourist New York. Yeah. Which do you prefer? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I, I prefer a bit of both like when I first <laughs> you know I, I feel like if, if New York stays a little bit dangerous it'll keep people out the more yeah. appealing it is the more people come and 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 then they start to push us native people out yeah um, so so I prefer a little bit of danger but when I moved to when I moved to um, Harlem specifically I remember when there were like crack vials and things like that in the street yeah and uh, abandoned lots and, and empty buildings and and then slowly as I was growing up I noticed like the streets were cleaner and like buildings were being built and so I, I like lived through the change and that was exciting and you live you live in Harlem now no I live in LA you live in LA now okay. in Hollywood okay so uh, how long ago did you move out of New York Seven years ago. Seven years. Have you been back lately? Oh, yeah. All right. So I've been dying to ask someone from New York about this, okay? Cause, and, you know, you talk about the crack vial thing. I used to uh, live at a place called the, the uh, Carter Hotel on 49th mm-hmm. when I went to New York. It was like my home away from home, mm-hmm. 49th, uh, near 49th and Broadway. And um, in the lobby, because you, you'd have a, like a, a, an initial lobby into the main lobby, that's it. would be like crack guys in there yeah, wearing pants too. tied up with belts. Yeah. No, there were no problems, just crackheads. Oh, sorry. This was a nice hotel. <laughs> okay. Well, with crackheads? Yeah, just crackheads, but no <laughs> prostitutes. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Oh, that keeps it fancy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and you would actually be crushing crack vials under your feet. But here's what I want to know, okay? Because so much a part of the culture and the landscape 
of New York City is the yellow cab. Mm-hmm. Okay, is Uber destroying the because it's it's like changing the the cab business throughout the country, changing the cab business here. Is that going on in New York as well? I think um, Uber is treated very differently in New York than it is everywhere else. Like Ubers have to get a medallion just like the yellow cabs have to get a medallion, uh. which changes it. Yeah. So so I think the New York, uh, because the state or the city makes so much from the yellow cab service, they weren't going to allow Uber to come in and change the money that they were receiving. So as much as we use Uber in New York, it's not pushing out the yellow cab by no means. Okay. They've so even added, they've even added like the green cabs. Yeah. So because the yellow cabs used to not go to other boroughs like Brooklyn, the Bronx, Queens. And now they've added those green cabs that, that you know, those cabs definitely go to other boroughs just to compete with the Uber business. I don't know. It was the first time I was in New York, and someone uh, said, uh, well, I'll call a car. I didn't understand. There's, like, car service. Yeah. I was in Brooklyn. I was taking car service yeah, to some particular airport. So you started. All right. So now I know, because then for years, and maybe you could tell me about this. I just said, <laughs> I, I heard you were from New York, and I go, I I know, I'm going to be, like, the, the, the New York, the, tour, the uh, tourist person from New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we could still get a yellow cab. Yes. Okay. All right, you can still eat off a cart in Times Square. Yes. Okay, if you so desire. Yes. Okay. Um, I used to, for years, my home away from home then later on was the Chelsea Hotel. Okay. Which I understand is closed and is still closed. Do you know anything about this? I don't. No? No. You know the Chelsea? No, I mean, I know the area. Yeah. Well, Chelsea Hotel is like a famous hotel where, like, all kinds of artists have stayed, you know, Uh and... uh, there were movies were filmed there. Musicians have stayed there. You should you should check it out. But you know, you know, when you live in a place, you're unfamiliar with like the tourist things about it. You know, yeah. like I've never. Yeah, I, I mean, it's true. I just yeah. found out there's Cactus League in Arizona. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you just found out. Wow, what a tough crowd in this room today! <laughs> Holy shit! You found out there's snow in Canada. Wow, it was, tough it was room. Rick, it was Rick Bronson. The, the owner of House of Comedy. No, we were laughing. We, we laughed so hard you couldn't hear it. That's it. <laughs> All right, so I don't want to. I don't want to. So you started out doing stand up in New York. In L. A. Actually. In L. A. Yeah, I was already living in L. A. And I started stand up. And when I realized, oh, I I want to do this seriously, then I started traveling back to New York often to kind of uh, work the muscle. Okay, so you moved to Los Angeles then not to be here because a lot of New York comics they start in New York, mm-hmm. and then they go to Los Angeles. But you were already in Los Angeles pursuing... Acting. Acting. Yeah, if I knew that I was going to be a stand-up comedian, I would have never moved to L.A. At first. Yeah, but I, I didn't know. Yeah. So I, I had no aspirations to be a, a comedian. It kind of snuck up on me. Is it not a good place to be for stand-up? Oh, no, no, no. It's fine, but New York is a better place to be. You know, you go to, like, if I wanted to be, like, the king of, like, improv and sketch, I'd probably go to Chicago. You know, there's just certain places that if I wanted to be an actress in film, you go to L.A. or TV, but if you wanted to be a Broadway actress, you you go to New York. So, for stand-up, I definitely think there's certain cities that you would choose over L.A. And New York, you Oh, absolutely. You know, Sarah, we can't hear a word. (laughs) (laughs) Sarah, I don't smell. Why don't you slide in beside me? But you know and that mic is hot enough. You can move it almost like a Lennon McCartney mic. There you so go. So you can so you can both talk. And Rob, uh, Rob the interns being a real gentleman, 
and let Sarah <laughs> sit there. So, so you moved to Los Angeles to yeah. be an actress yeah. or a model. Did you model for a while? A little bit. A, a little, little bit. bit. People won't. That's the one thing that I get. Like even after shows, sometimes people are like, yeah, so you're a model, right? I'm like, no, I'm a comedian. You just saw me perform. Just so you know, that's common in comedy. I get that all the time, too. You can do. Mom. Yeah. <laughs> model. I'm a model. Yeah. I'm a runway model. <laughs> avoiding those planes. That is not well, easy. He's a runway model because he goes on the catwalk and people run away. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a sleeping bag model. <laughs> he's a sleeping bag model. <laughs> yeah. right. I Rick, thought you were those enough. Yeah, yeah Rick, a lot of people. Well, she's yeah. pretty enough to be that. without question. Rick is actually um, uh, makes a good living as the after as the before model. <laughs> yeah, he's the before. Yeah, Rob the intern is the after model, and Rick yes. is the before model. <laughs> So you move out there to acting. Did you go to acting school or did you? Yeah, I, I studied. I did some scene studying um, with a, a drama teacher for a while. And then my first summer there, I actually went back to London and I did. Um, I studied acting at the Royal Academy. The Royal Academy? Arts. Yeah. yeah. London? I did. Yeah. I was. Wow. Yeah. So it's a whole different thing. The, the uh, American acting schools and the Royal Academy had a really different approach. What do you say? Or no, I think it just depends on what you're studying. When I went to London, I studied breaking down the text. That was my focus, like uh-huh. to be able to understand um, the text and then act from there. So it's just what you concentrate on, really. Yeah. But I think I think if I went to London and studied for four years, then I would have had a well-rounded uh, dramatic, you know, arts education. Yeah. 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 But in LA, a lot of it, when you go to school and you're not like at a, a college or an institute, yeah. you go for specific things like commercial on camera. Yeah. Uh, you know, like scene study, uh, you know, yeah. sitcoms. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. it's like they cater to yeah. Yeah. They the have business th- that they're offering. Well, I went to, um, I went to the Strasbourg Institute a long mm-hmm. time ago and uh, I actually talked to one of the teachers there I said, shouldn't we be doing like a sitcom or commercial class? He says, well, if you become a really good actor, then those things are, e- if you really know what you're doing, those things become easier to do. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't have to take, you don't have to take a bad acting class. Yeah. Learn how to be a bad actor. Yeah. Learn how to be loud and obnoxious in six easy lessons so you yeah. can be the second <laughs> banana on the new Charles in charge. <laughs> so. I think, you know, like uh, casting directors look for certain things and in certain teachers, they know what casting directors are looking for and they teach you how to fool them in the room. Yeah. If that makes sense. But yes, if you, you know, study, you know, Strasbourg or then you have a certain technique that you can rely on in any situation. Supposedly. Yeah. Supposedly. Yeah. Although they used to be, I, there were guys who would not really finish their training and then try to do their exercises in front of a casting director. And, and I think you can uh, legally shoot an actor for that. <laughs> All right. So you moved out there to be an, be an actress. Yeah. Okay. And then you kind of morphed over into stand up comedy. How did that take place? I was working for a, um, I always admired stand-up comedians. Um, if you're, I, and, I, and I would watch and, and enjoy like the really good ones, mm-hmm. but even the really bad ones, I would watch with like a certain sort of intrigue, like, oh, oh I know why they're bad. Um, yeah. You know, and I was working for a guy who uh, produced a comedy show, and so it, it forced me to be around comedians and book comedians and watch comedy who is the guy? Often. His name is Drew Tillman. He he used to do a show at the Comedy Store, and he he does a lot of, like, urban shows and, and urban... Comedy Union shows down there? No, or? he doesn't no? do Comedy Union. Uh, he, it's he, a great club. Yeah, I like the Comedy yeah. Union. I got heckled there the other night. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, I got heckled. Um, uh, and so he, I needed to fill in for his assistant one day in... in the day that it turned into six months, the day that I quit, I went to an open mic, and now I'm here. You are. You yeah. are. So that, then you start. And how did you meet Rick? 
uh, a day yesterday. <laughs> yesterday, <laughs> I actually, I'm actually a little pissed with Zainab. Can I point? I, I don't know how you guys had such such difficulty with the name Zainab. Maybe it's because I'm Jewish and Jewish grandfathers are Zaidie. Z a i d. That could be it. Yeah. So I had no problem. Yeah. I don't think I've mispronounced it once yet. I think you guys were looking for a further depth in that name, just playing off the whole black culture thing. And no. Zainabs. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's Maybe. what's happening here. Let's call it out. Because I'm going through we're a terrible depression. Black people mess it up all the time. Black people call really? me Dana. I'm like Zainab, Dana? Zainab. <laughs> Dana. Yeah, that's what I said. I'm like, no. But I, I'm a little choked with Zainab because she's met my uh, for some reason she's played a lot of the other rooms for us and um I, I seem to have always been out of town when she's played the other rooms and became friendly was with Was that my by design, Rick? Probably my wife probably, my wife <laughs> probably said very attractive black woman. We should probably send Rick out of town this week. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, nice Jewish boy from Canada, black woman. You know how a to disaster roll. for your marriage. Exactly. Yeah. So Zainab met my only had met my wife, so anything she knew uh, by me was just based on making any you know any type of assumptions about my wife's character so she said to me today she goes yeah knowing your wife I thought you'd be a lot taller <laughs> <laughs> and it's not that my wife's tall it's just she's a very strong gal she's like but you thought she needed like a seven foot giant to keep her at bay but yeah she's a she's a tough no, ass his she's wife is like ass. no nonsense like oh, I like oh I adore her but wife. she's no nonsense very nice woman right great great comedy person yeah great yeah. comedy person but yeah really cut to the chase Someone you, you have to be when you own uh, when you own a comedy business. We own a comedy club. Yeah. That and you when know? you're married to me, absolutely. <laughs> well, you and your wife. I, I need someone to keep me in line. You keep you, me in check. You and your wife have a great kind of a, 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 the perfect comedy yin yang. I, I really mean. I met your wife because uh, the first time I met you, we had lunch together, and I met her, and I also know her by reputation. And uh, Rick is at heart a stand-up comic at heart an entertainer you know and um, and I don't mean this in a, in a derogatory way and I don't and it's second is a, a club owner mm -hmm. okay so he's he, so he uh, has the comic in mind a lot of guys who enter it from strictly that point of view uh, they fail because they don't they don't see both sides of it but your wife who also really loves comics and really has uh, worked tirelessly to promote a lot of acts and help a lot of acts is much more coming from the business side of it. So the two of you coming together is why I think that you have such cool clubs. Uh, without question. I mean, uh, we definitely complement each other because she uh, she gets to deal with the agents and managers, the yeah. people that mm -hmm. I can't stand for, but because I came from as an began as an artist. Um, I shouldn't say I can't, it's a little harsh, but you know what it's like. Typically, I've never sure. been a fan of anyone who likes to take 10% of my talent from me uh, uh -huh. for latching <laughs> on with, but, to the name. But um, but I get to do what I love to do, is which still be in the club and surround myself with comics. And the, the even be the best thing I've got going right now is uh, I get to experience comedy through people that I would never have met just if I was on the road headlining. Absolutely. Zainab and I never would have worked together unless it was on a festival or something yeah. because we would have both been independently headlining a room. Uh, even yourself. I mean, we never would have really crossed paths if it weren't for me being a club owner now, quote unquote, air quotes, uh, finger air quotes. So. You know, it's, it's one of the things about, <laughs> about, about doing this show that I get to... Um, um, I found an article last night from uh, a club that I owned in the 90s. People don't realized that I was actually a club owner for a long time. And it, the club had closed in 2001 after I'd sold it. And I had never seen this article before, but it was like one of the, and it said, it said in, in the early 90s, uh, Joker's Comedy Club moved to this uh, new building, which we had moved it to. And they go, and that's when it really, when Mike, when I won't say my par 
former partner's name because he's a former partner. You know how you feel about those people. <laughs> when he and Tony, partner. when Tony visited, he owned it. That's when the club flourished. So I learned a lot owning a comedy club, and I loved it a lot. But I actually like doing this, what we're doing now more. And much like you and your wife, Shirley's the one who I told her one day. I go, I would like to do my own thing on the radio. I love talking to comics. You know, I love this whole thing. I love everything that we do at night, but I'd like to continue mm -hmm. and expand it. And um, she disappeared into a room for like a few weeks and comes out and goes, here, I've got your radio station built. Mm -hmm. So if it wasn't for her, um, we wouldn't be here. Every good man needs a strong woman yeah. to carry yeah. out his dreams. I'm just saying. <laughs> Did you say happy birthday? Yeah, that's like a birthday gift that she gave you. The studio, that's so cool. He yeah. Keeps me out of trouble. Yeah, I don't get any sleep because I work at night and I work in the morning. So you started out in Los Angeles. Yes. Okay, and did you meet success there or did you then travel to New York and, and really get your sea legs? How did this all come about? Um, I, I, uh, ooh. I think I had some success there. I, I um, was showcasing for like t TV shows really early, maybe maybe about nine months nine months into it. Yeah. Um, and I think that I learned fairly early to uh, talk about what I knew. Uh -huh. If that makes sense, I wasn't trying to be like funny according to anybody else's standards. Uh -huh. I felt like I had a story. I felt like I was unique. Just as in, just as a person in the world, I'm unique, and, you and are so <laughs> affirmations. Thank you, girl. Uh, <laughs> and um, we so need that for white people. <laughs> we do. Yeah. We love that. It's yeah. universal. You go, it's brother. universal. <laughs> you know, you're, you're the, the biggest no, white. We can't. White guys cannot pull no. off affirmation, yes, you girl. <laughs> you go, bro. Yeah, right. Go forward, yeah, bro. Be too cool. Go yeah. both, bro. We're ever. like the only thing we have is, dude. You look weird. You know, that's it. Dude, you're drunk. That's, that's our affirmation. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. But I can't it, even thump my own chest without hurting my nipple. No. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's I got a question. How did this room get divided so quickly? Come on. I, I, it's the, the Canadian in the room. <laughs> I am the Canadian. The Violent Canucks. If, if I'm integration itself manifested in a body indeed okay. you are Thank indeed you, so you are so yeah and yeah if she was anybody i would if she she could have been any cultural you know from any cultural background and i would have said affirmations girl like that was <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah see that's rick as we fist bump can you say can you say affirmation girl to rick affirmations girl thank you you got the job. You start tomorrow. Feeling okay. better. No pay. Good exposure. You drive. Hey, did you have you been on any of those those horror gigs yet? You know that that type of thing where they call you up and they go, "There's a gig and it's outside the city. Uh, low pay. Yeah. You drive. Good exposure. Oh yeah, I I performed at a strip club in Detroit. Really? Yeah, I didn't know it was a strip club until I got there, wow. and it was yeah, it was the it was in Detroit on the worst block of the worst mile. <laughs> it was the sixth block. Six, I heard the six mile is the worst. Uh, well, everything nine south. Eight, okay, nine, eight miles south is terrible. It's a, yeah. And it was midnight. It was pouring rain, and it was like the local comedian was killing. You know, like like the they do. <laughs> you they know, I don't sure. even know what he was saying. He was missing 
multiple front teeth. Um, which uh, no judgment, but it, but <laughs> let's judge. Let's judge. In Detroit, when you say the local comedian's killing, it literally can mean he's, he's not a killing guy. someone, killing yeah. people. Mad because he ain't got no teeth up there. And as soon as I walked on stage, they said, "Ooh, she's skinny," and I was like, "No, in LA, I'm kind of, I'm pretty big." You know? <laughs> in LA, you consider chunky. Yeah, you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty chunky in LA. Yeah, that is one of those so, feelings out there. How did the show go? It went good. My mom was with was with me, and I felt your protected. Mom, you and your mom in a strip club in Detroit. <laughs> we didn't know. How does that take? And place? you know what? You know what? I've never. Your mom in a strip club. We didn't know. We didn't know. My mom just knew that I was. <laughs> My mom just knew that I was driving, you know, an hour from her house right. at midnight to go do a show. And she was like, well, no, I, I think I got to come with you. Right, and right. and she came with me. And at the end, the, the promoter said, I don't have any money for you, but I can at least. <laughs> <laughs> he said, he said, but I can at least. This is early. And yeah, you want to get on stage at any. And that man's name was Rick. <laughs> he, he said, I can give you gas money because I was driving from Lansing to Detroit. He's like, I can give you gas money. So when I get off stage, I'm like, okay, mommy, let's go. She's like, did you get your money? And I'm like, no, I, I just figured he would offer it to me, and he didn't, so I'm just going to leave. She's like, this is no charity. Go get your money. <laughs> <laughs> and I went to the guy, and I was like, can I have my money? He's like, oh, yeah, sure. And then I got the six, it was like $60, I think. And I told my mom, and she was like, you got the money? And I was like, yeah. She's like, okay, now give me $40. <laughs> 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 and, and, and we laughed, and yeah. That's a great story. That is great. <laughs> a strip club in Detroit at midnight for no money, and your mother accompanies you. Yes. That's, you got you to yes. write that down. She had your back, too. That's yeah. Nice. So you were in Lansing. So you were were you working connections in Lansing? No, I wasn't. I it's, I think connections just closed, Is that gone? right? Yeah, but um, I uh, my mom lives in Lansing now. She moved to Lansing once I when I moved to L.A. She moved to Lansing, so I was there visiting. And I at the time I'm still like this. Wherever I go, I, even if I'm on vacation, I'm like, can I find a comedy club? I need to go yeah, up. Sure. I need to perform. You know. Mm-hmm. And so that's what it was. I just Facebooked people in Michigan that I knew, and it's like, oh, I got a room for you in Detroit. Nice. <laughs> They'll love you there. Is this person oh, still yeah. your friend? <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. Was it, was it a high class strip club? No, or it, it was, was it was real low. Uh, it was the bottom of the barrel. There's an odd phenomenon in some uh, um, uh, challenge Midwestern cities, Milwaukee and Chicago, and Detroit, where what used to be like corner bars, like John's Tavern or Pulowski's, will then have strippers in them. I mean, there's nothing built for the stripper. The stripper just climbing up on a table. Mm-hmm. What are some guy who used to work at the Ford plant, mm-hmm. you know, just drinking himself to the end. So was it one of those places? No, they, they, I mean, they actually had a stage and stripper poles and everything. I remember performing oh, okay. in between two poles. And you know how sometimes you lean on the mic stand? Yeah. I leaned on the pole and no. then remembered <coughs> what had been on the pole. <laughs> Try to pull your hands off. <laughs> yeah. Was, it was kind of grossed out. Yeah. Um, but it was a legit strip club, but still not like the... <laughs> This was a legit strip club. But still dirty no and one seedy. ever got paid in Coke. This was legit. <laughs> <laughs> Those would be comedy clubs in the old days, I think, Rick. When they tried to pay in Coke. I think we talked oh, about that. Yeah. yeah, good pay. Good pay in those days. All right, so um, you start out in Los Angeles, you go to New York. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you were already working as a comic in Los Angeles when you go to New York. Did you have to like, start over, or did you. Uh, yes and no. When I, uh, you know, immediately when I started, I would go to New York and I would do open mics. 
uh-huh. I, would, I would go to open mics just like I would go to open mics in L.A. And I wasn't like super established in L.A. where I was taking like a step back in New York. I did open mics and I met a lot of comics. And then the comics that I was already friends with, once they found out I was com- doing comedy, they wanted to come check me out. Like, OK, we we can provide um, I'll, I'll put in a word for you at this club. But first, let me see what you let me see what you're working with. And once I proved myself to the people who were able to like kind of flex an arm for me, mm-hmm. then that's what happened. And then I started getting up at like clubs. Which city do you prefer for, for working out as a comic artistically? New York or Los Angeles? New York, definitely. New York? Yeah. Yeah. And the reason is? Um, you know, I was just telling Rick, it's so many opportunities to perform in New York. Like, the, just I, th- I feel like repetition is, is key. It's like going to a gym, you know? Yeah. You work out, you consistently work out, and, and you get stronger, you get more fit. And I felt like that as a comedian. It's like I could have four spots in a night in uh-huh. New York. And it's like I could start off with an idea, and at the end of the night, I have a joke. You mm-hmm. know, like a joke that I know people are going to laugh at. And, and I like that versus um, L.A., number one, is so spread out. It's really hard to get. There's times where I have two spots in a night in L.A., but it's like I got to get all the way from Santa Monica back to West Hollywood. And it's just well, it's like a struggle. Say, it's the difference between four and five sets a night compared, yeah. compared to four and five yeah, sets a Yeah, a week. And the weird thing about it, Santa Monica to West Hollywood is with no traffic is a 10-minute drive, but 24 hours a day is about an hour drive Yeah, because traffic is so yeah. pathetic there. I mean, I, I read a little story. Louis C.K. was so dedicated to doing a lot of shows that he actually bought a motorcycle specifically so he could whip through traffic to do everything that's available to him in New York. Yeah. So you go... But you, you don't live in New York any longer. No, but I'm trying to move back now. Yeah. New York is expensive. It's very expensive. <laughs> New York is expensive. Ooh. Where do you live in Los Angeles? Hollywood. Right at Hollywood and Highland. Oh, you live at Hollywood Island? Yeah. Because I used to live like three blocks from there. I lived in yeah. Hollywood and Curzon. Like if you keep oh, heading head west. Yeah. Yeah. I lived there for That's a That's a little time. bit nicer though. Where I live is like all the tourists, like the Absolutely. tourists, the homeless people, the, the, the mentally insane, you know, like it, I live. I live Times Square, basically. Epicenter, yeah, it's the epicenter. Yeah. And if you just go a couple blocks, if you just go a couple blocks uh, uh, east, then it's really weird. If you get yeah. down by uh, uh, Musso and Frank's, yeah, then it's just uh, dildo shops. And, oh yeah, yeah, and prison tattoos. Yeah, yeah. I actually, I went to uh, the Strasbourg Institute was there at, uh, at one time, right down where the Hollywood Wax Museum, which it's a terrible wax museum. It is. It is. It's got. It's got like the statues are like melted. Yeah. They don't look like the people. <laughs> it's a terrible, terrible place. And just to walk out my door, I'm. I'm like you know accosted. I'm assaulted by like the 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 uh, people dressed up as like the pirate of the Caribbean. Oh, yeah. uh, you know they're they're dressed up as like all the all the characters that you've ever seen in film and they do it for tourists and you take pictures and so and are you like in the, those apartments that is right uh you're up highland like a half a block is that where it is yeah i'm i i am on i'm actually one block over on mccadden and oh, it's, okay. it's, it's a really new apartment building it's like okay. been there for like four years yeah 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 so all right so you're, you're trying to move back to new york yeah okay so what's the goal what's 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 i mean you you're working Rick Bronson's House of Comedy. Yeah. Okay. Which, which is, is great. Everybody great come club. out. <laughs> yeah, they should come out. Uh, you're doing two shows tonight. Yep, two okay. shows tomorrow. And you guys start at 7. Uh, we start at 7 on Friday, yeah. we. I think it's Friday and Saturday. Uh, no, on Saturday. Yeah. Friday and Saturday. Saturday. Well, yeah, we, we just uh, we find that, you know, Scottsdale and Phoenix, it's a... Uh, 
I think one is because people love their uh, love their long weekends here. They seem to just get out of work a little bit earlier, and they like to start their evenings earlier here. Mm. We were t- we were actually talking about that earlier in the show when we were talking about you guys coming in. I you know, I pointed out that the shows were at seven, and I go the great thing about that is you still have the shank of the evening. Well, and then Sarah, well, and I see, even if you go to the late show, if you go to a nine thirty <clears> show, you still have an evening out if you want to go hook up with buddies and go bar hopping and do yeah. that thing. I've always thought comedy is great as a starting off point. When I started doing comedy myself in the mid-80s, our late show was at 11.15, 11.30, so it wasn't Ooh. done till 1.30 yeah. in the morning. Well, and you remember that was you done, would, your evening was you done. You would do three shows sometime on Saturday. Sometimes we did, It was yeah. 7 and 9 and a midnight. And a midnight was always like a weird show where uh, you'd, you'd kill on the first show and you'd kill on the second show. And the midnight show, it'd be like kids who couldn't get into the Rocky Horror Picture Show because it was sold out mm-hmm. and uh, motorcycle games. Yeah, and you and yeah. wonder if you that when you're up there for that third show if you've already done that joke because oh. now your brain can't process if I... Had you I ever done that? Or is this first... Ins- did I already do this joke for this audience? Or I did this that. Was the yeah. second show? Yeah. I can't... Yeah, yeah, I love when your brain plays those tricks on you. you have, you, have, you, have you ever done that where you like repeated uh, uh, a joke within the same set? No. And not realize it? No. Yeah. Not no. yet. It's a problem. R- Rick and I are old. That's <laughs> <why we're> <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not yet. So, for the people who missed it the first time, they have the... Uh, I did that a third show at the Richmond Comedy Club where I told a joke. Someone goes, and no one laughed. And I'm going, everybody laughs. Somebody goes, you told that joke 15 minutes ago. <laughs> like, oh, oh my God. It's only bad if you follow that with, did you laugh then? <laughs> Was it good 15 minutes ago? Because <laughs> yeah, I, was I wasn't the there for it. <laughs> well, I love it so much, I'm telling it again. That's right. So it's a great place. You know, the great place about a uh, great thing about where your club is is that uh, I, I finally kind of, I'm always trying to coalesce, really wrap around how to explain a place. And High Street is specifically an entertainment district. Yeah, I think they're trying to get that way. They're still uh, lacking a few uh, a few tenants that are uh, have deals in place that have not built out yet. A big cowboy saloon out of Florida that's supposed to be coming in uh, by December. Um, but the way I kind of describe it is, we're we're, nor- we're not really you know Scottsdale and Phoenix. We're just all that north of the 101 kind of entertainment zone. So I'm actually kind of in the midst of establishing what's called the North Valley Entertainment Group, which is a lot of different restaurants and bars that are all north of the 101, from Pima all the way over to the 51. And uh, with this with the tagline with the slogan, it's cooler up here. Oh. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Well, I, I, I love where your club is located. And it's easy to get to, 51 yeah. or 101 Loop. It's right off the highway. There's, It's really easy to get to, right beside Desert Ridge. And just look for the, if you can't find it, just, just look for the very tall, pretty statue as Black Girl standing <laughs> be beside standing. the very short, Jewy-looking <laughs> club owner. Well, it's, it's on High Street. You'll know where we are. It's, it's high Street. Two of us. That's yeah. the <laughs> I'm actually making a statue now. It's really <laughs> A black woman and a Jewish guy walk into a bar on a street called High Street. That's you know, it's the beginning of a, it's they the beginning of some kind of joke. Yeah. Yeah. Some, some All right, joke. so you guys are gonna be there tonight. You'll be there Sunday. What time is the show? Sunday? Seven thirty. Seven thirty. No, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Seven. Is seven. It? Yeah, seven. 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 Okay. Tonight. Wednesday and Thursdays are seven thirty. Okay. We're, okay. we're, we're yeah. And Fridays we're, and Saturdays. We're past that. She yeah. knows your club better than you, Rick. <laughs> she knows your class. Tonight, Again, 7 and 9.30. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Tonight, 7 and 9.30. Saturday, 7 and 9.30. Sunday, 7. Sunday, 7. All right. We can't uh, thank you. We got one other request. Okay. Okay? Because we're going to wrap up. And we always ask the, the comic on Friday, sometime on Thursdays, to read. Uh, we have this book. I was looking like, is he about to ask me to read the book? <laughs> <laughs> he wants you to read it. The book it. is, it's a little it's golden. children. It's a little golden book classic. And it's Walt Disney's Little Man of Disneyland. And this book was originally published in the year of our Lord, 1955. 
which also happens to be my birthday. And yes, Rick. I was just gonna say I, I don't know if I'm comfortable having our comics read. I was gonna say, are you trying to explain? An anti-Semitic uh, <laughs> Disney. Uh, Disney's oh. changed quite a bit now. No, that it's is a, a problem. Not Walt. Walt, no, no, Walt, he froze himself in that Walt, state of anti-Semitism. Okay. But this is this is no, Mickey. frozen anti-Semitism. We ask you to him. yeah to pick one page and read one page from the book. Uh, what's the purpose of this? Uh, nonsense. <laughs> Absolute nonsense. Is, is, is there ever a comic that chooses no? No, no one ever has. As a matter of fact, we've had people like really get into it. Yeah. Does yeah. Voices. Will you say no. No, I wouldn't say no, but yeah. I mean, what if I was illiterate and he just exposed <laughs> me? Well, then you can improvise. So no, 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 the listeners will know. Well, said Mickey, I'm afraid we can't do that. You see, we're going to start building here soon. Going to move all those old trees. Move these trees, start building here, cried Patrick Begora, jumping up and down in a purple rage. Oh, no, you don't. Not while I'm around. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> she picked up her big pants. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, no, you don't. <laughs> oh, no, you don't. <laughs> Not while I'm around. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Zadab Johnson. We <laughs> urge you strongly to go down to the House of Comedy and check out this very funny woman who so far we're going to give you the crown for the best reading of any page of The Little Man of Disneyland. Yeah. You know uh, uh, who was, uh, um, see I'm blanking for a minute, the, uh, the guy who was uh, last week, your last week's headliner was... Um, Last week wasn't Godfrey. New no, Zealand. Was, oh, uh, uh, Reese Darby. Reese Darby. Uh, Flight of the Concords and the movie Yes Man with Jim Carrey. Ooh. Did a fantastic reading of it. Okay, a fantastic reading because he's kind of got that Errol Flynn kind of voice. And he's I'm got every voice actually. That guy is an unbelievable he's character fantastic. actor. Really talented yeah. guy. That was he that has was like the a best smooth chocolatey voice. It's, yeah. it's like this was the best like reading. <laughs> the best <laughs> reading we've ever had. And we thank you so much thank for you. doing it. And uh, we hope that you'll make this uh, your podcast, broadcast, radio home, whenever you're in Phoenix. And I'd we look forward to. to seeing you again real soon. Thank Ladies you. and gentlemen, this is Zainab Johnson. Yeah. I said it right? Yes, I'm doing perfect. good. I'm doing good, Rick. Rick, I'm <laughs> doing good. Hey, Rick, I'm doing good now, okay, Ricky? I think I can do it now, Rick. Zainab no. Johnson at House of Comedy. Rick runs his House of Comedy. Check it out, houseofcomedy.net. Thank you so much. We'll be back in just a couple of moments. Oh, okay. Thank you.